Amen. It's good to be with you this morning. Amen. Um, tell you what, I, uh, I'm going to put this right over here. Uh, I am a Hoosier, just to let you know. Wow, I got an amen out of that one. <laughs> I was expecting a couple of boos. Uh, <laughs> At least, my, at least my last name is not Watford, right? <laughs> uh, there's a joke behind that. Uh, a guy named Watford shot uh, three-point basketball. It's been several years ago and beat Kentucky on, on uh, yeah, Chad doesn't remember that. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, ever since I've known Chad, I mean, uh, when I found out he was pastoring down here and, uh, you know, we kind of stayed in contact during that time and he was telling me, everything about meeting with Pastor Rod and all the things that were going on. I was just so excited to hear that for him. And uh, I remember he saying, yeah, there's a church down in Kentucky that I'm, I'm thinking about pastoring. And after he got on staff, I just thought, well, man, that just makes perfect sense. Because as long as I've known him, he's been a UK fan. He has. And, and, and there are times that uh, he probably never knew this, but I'd, he'd be in an altar and I'd lay hands on him and I'd try and cast that thing out. And and it just never did. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. We all went. We always went back and forth with Indiana and Kentucky. But uh, Chad has always been a close friend, and he's one of those friends that that we may not see each other for a couple of years. We may not talk for six months. We'll try and you know he'll put God will put me put him onto my heart or something like that. I'll text him and stuff like that. But no matter what happens, if we see each other, it's like we pick right back up where we're at. And I love those friendships, you know, that uh, no matter where you're at in life, you can pick right back up where you're at and just continue on. And uh, I love my brother and his family. And uh, if there's anything that you could do as a church body, is love your pastor and his family, okay? Because I know your pastor's heart. When I was talking to him, I actually met him at Home Depot the other night, and uh, that's when he asked me to, to come speak. It's a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. And as I was hearing him talking about your church and uh, everything that was going on, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see something transforming your pastor, and it's a good thing, Okay. But you're, you're, God is transforming your pastor, and he's going to transform this church, okay? So I want to encourage you, love one another, okay? Don't let anything break that bond, okay? That's important, because when you're going through trials and struggles and tribulations, sometimes you need correction. You do. But when you got somebody's hand back behind you and saying, I'm walking with you, that's when you know you're going to stick there, okay? So I want you to encourage you, love your pastor, love his family, and I promise you that you'll get that back from them, because I know them. I know them well. I'd like to recognize my wife and uh, my three girls, uh, Mandy, raise your hand, Mandy. Mandy's back there. That's the one that put up with me for 23, 24 years now. I got twin girls that are Claire and Alyssa. Uh, they're in college now, and and the uh, fireball over there in the corner is Kelsey. She's my 13-year-old. She's usually, uh, if she's not ruling the house, she's trying to rule the house. 
So, but uh, I'm just so glad to be with you today, and I, I apologize for these, but I can't see a thing anymore without them. And especially, if, you know, I go to the restaurants and we go out somewhere, and I, my arms aren't long enough; I can't read, and uh, so I got to put these on to read anymore. So, uh, bear with me this morning, and uh, we'll get through this. I want to say a little prayer, if you don't mind, and uh, we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to be in this house, be with brothers and sisters. I thank you for your presence, which has been real this morning and loving. And uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit here today. I feel a lot of love in this room, and I feel uh, there's a bond in this room that you're growing between this church. And I pray that you extend it out from this church to this community. And I pray, Father, the, the words that are spoken today, that they wouldn't be my words, but they'd be your words. And that, Father, you would minister to hearts things that need to be said, things that need to be dealt with, things that need to uh, be brought to you, maybe. But whatever it is, Father, I pray that, um, just as my brother said earlier, that we fix our eyes on you, and that we come to you, and if we need to lay things down, we do that. But we do that knowing you are a gracious, heavenly, loving Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I got stuck preparing this. Um, I was talking with your pastor when we, we met in Home Depot, and uh, I got stuck between two scripture texts. Excuse me. Um, I don't know if I'm, excuse me a second. You know, I always wished I was more like Samson when it came to the Spirit of the Lord, because the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. He got strong, and he got to lift up stuff, and, you know, he just massive and mighty. And, and when the Spirit comes on, the Spirit of the Lord comes on me, I leak. And not very manly. I, I, I tend to leak. My eyes leak. My nose leaks. It's, uh, it's kind of a mess, you know. But I, I, I've got to the point to where I, I own it. You know, I'd rather leak and be kind of a mess than not have that spirit on me, okay? So if I'm leaking, just bear with me, okay? So we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, verse number 1. And there's the first couple, uh, I want to show, read through these and kind of, uh, we'll go through kind of what the Lord gave me on these two different texts. A few days later, Mark chapter 2, verse number 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him because of Je- get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? 
Immediately, Jesus knew in the spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easy to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked down in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Now, something you want to kind of pick up on this, and what I did is, uh, in this text, you'll notice that Jesus, when he was in this house, that men... And people were gathered around around him, okay? That's important to realize, that men and people gathered around Jesus, okay? And you're saying, well, what? Well, great. A lot of people gathered around Jesus. Well, I'm going to show you something in a little bit why that's important. Men and women gathered around Jesus, okay? Now hold that thought. So as they were gathering around Jesus, four guys decide that they're going to bring their buddy, okay? They're going to bring this paralyzed man, okay? So these men brought this man to Jesus. Let me ask you this. Have you ever brought anybody to Jesus? Have you ever brought anybody that's hurting, that's wounded, that's paralyzed with sin or fear or doubt? Have you ever brought anybody to Jesus? This is a perfect example, and I was listening to a Tony Evans, uh, Tony Evans sermon one time about this, and he was talking about how many times we are called to bring people to Jesus. You know, a lot of times in our churches, we get to the point to where we, we, we want people to come, okay? And we talk about people coming, but sometimes we have to go out and get them and bring them. We have to go out and get them and bring them to Jesus. Okay, And these men were so faithful that they were carrying this guy. Folks, sometimes you have to carry in your life and bring them to the Lord. Sometimes we have to carry people and bring them in. Sometimes we have to bear their burdens, get up underneath their shoulders, and walk with them until they can walk straight. And when they walk straight, guess what they do? They remember that, and then they go out. And they find people who are hurting just like they were, and they bring them in. That's many times how the church is built. I want you to do your pastor and his family a favor and those who are on staff. Don't ever, ever put the burden upon them of growing this church because it was not meant to be so. The burden of growing this church is not on your pastor's shoulders. It's not on the staff's shoulders. Because if you look in the book of Acts, the purpose of growing the church has always been placed on God's shoulders. Because in the book of Acts, it says, God added to the church daily. God adds to his church. God prompts you. God prompts me when we are out in those areas, when we need to speak to someone or pray to someone. Folks, there have been times where I've... I've, I've been in the middle of conversations and somebody, it's the other day, in the middle of a conversation at work, and somebody has said something to me about them having kidney problems or something like that. And I said, let's just stop and pray. 
And there's two or three guys around me. I don't know if they go to church. I don't know if they're believers. But the Holy Spirit is prompting me saying, you prayed for him. And you have the other guys put hands on with them. And some of the looks I get is like, folks, when God asked me to do something, I want to do it. I want to be faithful. Because it's not my words. It's not them remembering me. It's the prayer of the saints. It's the prayer of those people. When you hear those prayers, there is something stirred inside of them. That faith is stirred inside of them. And they realize that, hey, God sent somebody to pray for me today. And that that faith is stirred. And what's even marvelous is when I pray for them, I pray that God would get the glory for all that. So when they are healed, when God does touch them, they remember, hey, somebody was praying for me, and God said that he was going to get the glory. I'm going to give glory to God for this. I'm going to stand up and testify this. I'm going to give my light right. I'm going to start going to church. I want to start praising God and serving God. Why? Because he healed me. That's what we do. That's what we do, folks. When you're going out and you're ministering, don't be afraid to pray for people. Gosh, sometimes I've been laughed at. You know, I'm sitting there praying for somebody and they're laughing in the background. So what? Big deal. Jesus was laughed at. He's called all kinds of names. So men brought people to Jesus. You know something that's strange? They're really strange about this text, and I, I, it's gonna, I'm going to open it up in the other text too, that Jesus, these men brought this paralyzed man to Jesus, and you know what he does? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And I'd be like, yeah, but he's paralyzed. Don't you want to deal with the obvious? Come on, folks. That's what you'd be thinking, too. You bring somebody to Jesus who can't walk, who's bound up like this, and he looks at him and he says, Sons, your sins are forgiven. Okay, but what about the obvious? But he dealt with that. He dealt with that. Okay? I want to bring that. I want to deal with that in a little bit. Okay? Let me read a little bit of scripture on the other side. Second verse. I mean, second part of this. Once again, Jesus in chapter 2, verse number 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, which is also Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and with his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I would be thinking if I had heard both these sermons when he said to the, about the tax collectors, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, I would have thought, 
Well, why didn't you say that to the paralyzed guy? Come on, folks. Let's be honest. I would have looked and said, the paralyzed guy needs healing. Doesn't he? Jesus didn't look at that. Jesus did not see that. Okay? And you know what was astonishing in this text? That when he is around all these sinners, and I want you to know something different about this. You see, when the paralyzed man was there and Jesus was in the house, okay, all the people were coming to Jesus. They were coming to Jesus. But at the party, people were there already and Jesus was going to them. Jesus went to the party. So you got a so you got two different viewpoints because in a lot of times, okay, in a lot of areas of our life, many times we are brought to the Lord by somebody bringing us. Amen. But if you're like me, okay, you're like me, God came and dealt with you. Jesus came and dealt with you for a year and a half. Jesus came and dealt with me. The Holy Spirit just came upon me at a praying grandmother. And I want to tell you something. When you're in college and you want to sow your wild oats and do your thing, a praying grandmother is not what you want. I'm serious. I was miserable. Miserable. I would wake up. Oh God. I would wake up. And I, I remember going over there. And I just told her, I said, man, Grandma, I don't know what's going on in my life. I just feel miserable. And I remember she said, well, me and, the grand, me and your great aunts have been praying for you. And I was like, oh, gosh, great. And I'm fi- it's like, won't you just stop praying for a while? Not stop praying forever. Just stop praying for a while, okay? Because I feel miserable. I know I'm away from God, and I, don't, I, I, I hadn't been saved before. I hadn't given my life to Christ. I was miserable. But she didn't stop praying. But I'd wake up. I mean, I I remember the very first scripture verse that God gave me was Acts chapter 2, verse number 17. And it shall come to pass in the latter days, saith the Lord, that I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall have visions. And the reason I knew that was because I was digging into my Bible to find it because I had a dream of being left in the rapture. It was color. It was vivid. It scared the living snot out of me. I woke up that night shaking. And I had a niece that was like a year old in the bedroom of my grandparents' house. And I got up and I ran into there, threw the door open and clicked the light on to make sure she was there because I knew that if Jesus come back, she'd be gone. It shook me. Then I had another dream about it. Then I'd have drink, and then I'd be in my apartment in Vincennes, and there'd be a light outside my apartment building, and it would come on at dusk and dawn, and at dawn it would come on and pop on just bright enough to wake me up. And you know what I would hear in my head? You know what I would hear? This still little voice saying, in the twinkling of an eye. And I would have to get up. And pretend to be happy and go on through life and I'm dragging that stuff with me. Because I know there's something missing. There's something missing there. So many times, 
if, if you can't have somebody, somebody can't bring you to church, honey, that's okay. You got a God who's faithful enough to go out and get you. He left the 90 and 9 for the one. He'll go get you. He'll find you somehow. And sometimes you just need to pray people in. You just, if you, if you really want to see God work in somebody's life, just start praying for them. Trust me. I'm living testimony to that because, oh, man, I, I tell you what, the day I was saved, I just felt like a, a barn had been lifted off my shoulders. I was so free. And that doesn't mean I was, I was perfect. Doesn't mean I was, you know, innocent again. But Jesus Christ, his blood made me righteous. It was nothing that I brought, nothing that I gave, nothing that I took to that altar other than my heart and my confession. But Jesus made me complete that day. But the paralyzed man, let's get back to him real quick, okay? Because that's kind of odd, okay? Isn't it? It's odd that Jesus said, your sins be forgiven. And here he is paralyzed. But here's the other end of the stick, okay? He goes to the party, and all these people are healthy doing their thing, and he says, well, the healthy, the, uh, healthy don't need a doctor. It's the sick who need a doctor. They're all running around getting drunk. Why do they need a doctor? Seriously. Why do they need a doctor? They're out having a good time, drinking down the wine and this, that, and the other. You're going to find out in your life, just like I have, that Jesus deals with things that we don't see. Jesus goes deeper. Jesus goes many times to the root. And when you're dealing with the symptoms, he's going to deal with the root. You see, the guy who was brought with the leprosy, Jesus knew that he needed salvation more than he needed healing. And the reason I say this, and, I, and, and boy, i got to watch how I say this because I can really get some people torqued up with this, especially people who have healing ministries, okay? Every person... Jesus ever prayed for and healed died eventually. Jesus is interested in your health. He is. He's interested in you having a long life. He's interested in you having a long life, but more importantly, you having his salvation. Okay? Salvation is primo to God. Okay? He wants that first. Okay? He wants it first. Jesus sees beyond those things. He saw that man and he saw he needs salvation. You and I would see he needs healing. Jesus saw he needed salvation. But that puzzles me. What about the guys at the party and the girls at the party? Well, they're jumping around having a good time. Do they need a healer? Do they need healing? Really? How do they need healed? Looks like they're having a great time. They just need to stop drinking because they're staggering around, probably jumping, dropping into stuff. Did you know that in Jewish society that it was forbidden for a rabbi to be anywhere near a tax collector? In fact, there was, there was this hierarchy, 
Okay, and it started out with the Pharisees. If you were a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you were kind of around this range in Jewish society. And then you were, you know, there were certain tribes that had more preeminence than others. Okay, a little bit. The Levites, they were part of the, you know, Levitical priesthood. There, there was a little bit of that in there. There was also, lower on the scale, you had people in, in the way they did business or their ethics or whatever, their certain type of business, okay? Believe it or not, fishermen was a good trade and everything, but it wasn't highest on the, you know, standard for Jewish society. But when you get down low, you start to see that there's sinners there. They're not walking with God. So that's their part of Jewish society too. They're Jews. They're just sinners. They're not walking with God anymore. But you go even lower than that. You go down to where the feet meet the road. That's where they put the tax collectors. Because that's the people that were taking money from Jews and giving it to the Roman government. And they would, the Roman government want, just wanted its portion. But the tax collectors had a reputation of taking enough for themselves and even more so. That's why Zacchaeus, when, God, when he was brought, when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus said, if I've robbed anybody of, uh, of anything, I want to give them four times of what I owe them. And the reason he said that, it was not because four times sounded good, it was because it was in the Levitical, pre- it was, I'm sorry, it was in the Levitical law that if you had robbed somebody, you were to replace them four times. He was going back to that law and saying, I'm going to do this because I feel convicted about it. But here you have tax collectors and sinners, and Jesus is right in the middle of them. And he says something so odd and peculiar. He says, they need healing. They need healing because their society had told them they were refuge. They were garbage. Most people would not even acknowledge him going down the road. That's why in the scriptures you hear about people, the scriptures talking, Jesus talking about tax collectors and harlots and sinners. Many times the tax collectors and the harlots, they would go together because, folks, wherever you're at in life, more than likely you're going to have some friends. Okay, wherever you're at in life. And they were the outcasts, so many times the outcasts got together. But what Jesus did is he saw beyond all that. He saw people that needed love. That's all they needed. They needed to be healed before they were forgiven. Jesus couldn't go in there and say, all right, Anybody who comes to me, you'll be forgiven. He couldn't do that with them. They needed to see his heart first. They needed to see his heart. They needed to know that he was able to go in there and spend time with them and love on them. Come on, folks. Mm. Holy Spirit's just revving me up right now. What about you and me? Mm-hmm. We come to Jesus. What do we have to offer? What do we have to offer? I can tell you I brought nothing. I was like one of those tax collectors. I had been given much. Been given much. We're brought 
into the presence of a king. And you know what he did? He throws those royal robes around us. He puts a finger, or puts a ring on our finger, which signifies that we're his. Then he kills the fatted calf. Then he has a celebration. And we're all, we're sitting there in wonder as we, we come to the Lord of glory and we give our lives to Jesus and we become part of this family. And all of a sudden you get people coming around you, loving on you and caring for you. And you start confessing these faults and sins and they say, it's okay. We're going to get you through it. We're going to walk you through it. And you realize something. You realize it's not because you loved him. It's because he loved you. It's not because of what you did. It's because of what he's done. There's not a soul in here that's untouchable by God. Not one soul. And folks, there are souls out there that all they need is for you to wrap your arms around them and tell them, and honestly mean it, that Jesus loves them. And you know what you do before you do that? You love them. Because these Pharisees and these tax collectors, they would not have cared about Jesus talking about the love of God. It would have gone in one ear and out the other. They would have given him audience, but it would not ring a bell. But for him to come in there and sit down beside them and to partake of food with them and drink whatever that was, okay, and to socialize with them and to be a part of their lives and to pray for them, Can you imagine the barriers and the walls that were broken down that night? Can you imagine Matthew? I mean, Matthew, which is Levi, you know, all of a sudden Jesus comes up to him and says, follow me. How how many of us really do that? Chad and I were talking about that the other day when when we were at Home Depot. You don't just follow somebody just because they says, come here and follow me. No, what we don't know in Scripture is there was preeminence before that. There was things that were happening before that. Because in the book of Matthew, you find the most detailed version of the Sermon on the Mount. Which tells me Matthew was there. That when Jesus was saying, bless those who curse you, do good to those who despitefully use you, Matthew heard that. When he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Matthew heard that. And he also heard this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And Matthew was empty. Matthew needed that. And that's when Jesus, when Jesus walked by, when Jesus walked by, and Jesus said, follow me. That was his invitation. said, Matthew, I love you. I love you. Not going to leave you where you are. You're going to change. But it's now time you follow me. I've got something better for you, Matthew. I've got something better for you, Levi. And he probably called him Levi because Matthew was his Greek. But God got something better for you. He does. He's got something better for you and me. Now there's another group in here. It's a little different. We're going to talk about that. The Pharisees that were at the house, they were busy questioning Jesus' authority. Okay? At the party, 
the Pharisees were questioning Jesus' righteousness. Folks, I don't know about you, but there are some things in life that I've got to take on faith. There are some things I've got to take on faith. You know, there are a lot of questions I've asked Jesus. There are certain things that I've gone through. I know my brother's gone through things. And at times when I've tried to minister to him or he's tried to minister to me, sometimes we don't have those words. We don't have those answers. We don't have the answers to, to why somebody did this to us or why this has happened to us. Okay? Sometimes we have to just swallow where we're at and just get up and know that God does love us. That God, just like, G, just like Joseph, just like Joseph, though it was planned by his brothers for evil, that God turned it around, turned it around and made Joseph the second in command of the world at that time. Egypt was the greatest army and the greatest nation of the world at that time. And Joseph in one day was brought from the prisons of Egypt all the way to second in command of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh put everything in Joseph's hands. And he said it got to the point to where Pharaoh didn't even know what he had. Joseph did. Pharaoh trusted Joseph so much he didn't even care. And you know what? I think he trusted him so much because he loved him so much. He knew that Joseph would not take from him. He knew that Joseph would be honest and trustworthy, and Joseph would give Pharaoh what was Pharaoh's. Brothers and sisters, just like you and me, okay? Doesn't matter where you're at. Trust God. Trust Him. And trusting comes with faith comes with faith. We got thousands of questions. You got people out there that are going to question everything that Jesus ever said and did. Okay? Sometimes you got to take it on faith. I had to take it on faith that there was a God that wanted to forgive me, that wanted to love me when I went into that church. Folks, I would pull into the church parking lot before I got saved, and I was going by myself. Now, I had some cousins that would go there, and uh, but... Sometimes they'd be there and sometimes they wouldn't. My uncle was there, so I sat with my uncle for many times before I got to know some people. But folks, I had to go to that church. I drove into that parking lot and God dealt with me so bad, so strong, that I would drive into that church and parking lot and I would sit there in the car and for five minutes I would talk myself into getting up and getting out of that car and going into church. I don't know anybody there. I don't know God yet. I don't know what's happening in my life, but I can't run from it. I can't run from it anymore. I had faith believing he would meet me. I remember getting out of, the, out of the car door one time, shutting the door, and as I was walking in, I remember saying this. I said, I don't know where you're at, God, but I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you. Problem is, <laughs> he found me. See, he wasn't the one lost. I was. He found me. Just like he's found you. Amen? You know, sometimes I think, excuse me, I'm leaking. Sometimes I think that we get in church too long and we, we get to the point to where we 
We're used to the form and the fashion. We're used to church. We're used to dealing with people. Yeah, come on. Let's be honest. We know when we come to church, we got, you know, we got to look nice. We got to be good. Okay. We got to, hey, how you doing? Love you. You know, uh, how you doing? Love you. Oh, things are great. My life's falling apart, but I can't talk to you about it right now. You know, I'm going through all these battles and I'd love to have somebody to share it with, but no, Jesus is great. I'm fine. We're going to make it through. No problems. And I'm sitting here dying inside, you know, waiting, you know, wanting somebody to talk to, wanting somebody to, to share with, wanting somebody to, you know, to realize that, hey, I got, I got problems. Folks, I love your pastor. I do. And, and there's, when it comes to walking straight, I know a few people that walk straighter than your pastor. And I, I say that from my heart. I know his heart. Okay. But he goes through stuff just like you. And you go through stuff. And you know what? A lot of times what he's praying is he's praying how God can minister to you. Okay? That's why I'm asking you to pray for his family. Pray for how God can minister to him. Because I want to tell you something. I can tell when people pray for me. When your spirit is tuned over years, you can tell. I've been driving down the road as like, Somebody's praying for me because I've been having some angry thoughts about somebody as like, God, I need some help. Just just reach out and touch a brother and tell him I need to pray. And I'm I'm praying, trying to pray through this. And all of a sudden I feel that lift. And uh, I just know somebody's been praying for me. And I, later on, I'll find out. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was, you know, something happened and uh, God told me to pray for you. Yeah, I needed it. You know, we get to the point sometimes where we're in church for so long that we forget what this is. We forget what it looks like. The altars, don't we? We do. I do. We forget what they look like. We forget what, how precious they were that day. When we came and we had nothing and we're, we're wondering if this God really does love us as everybody's telling us. And we kneel down and we give our life to Christ. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts coming into our lives and, and rectifying our souls and, and uh, giving us newness of life. And, and we, we start to, the Bible starts to come alive to us. And we realize for the first time in forever that, wow, this is, this is awesome. I've been, man, this is exactly what I needed. We forget that. Because we get out in life and we get through going through struggles and God answers our prayers and God does this with us and that with us and, and gets us through things and, and we forget. And we forget that it's those altars that we met in, those altars that we begin that relationship right here. We get, begin that right here. And you know what he wants? You know what he wants? Sometimes he wants you to put down the pride of somebody seeing you walk to an altar, and he just wants you to go up and lay it down. And I'm talking to Christians today, because I'm, I'm talking to myself at times too. Here, here, I'll give you a for instance. Thursday morning rolls around, and I'm, uh, I don't know about you folks, but uh, you know, I married a wife, but when I married her, I married 
a family with her, okay? And she married a family with me, okay? In-laws, outlaws. <laughs> no, they're, they're good, good people, most of them. <laughs> but folks, what happens is, is sometimes people say things that rub each other wrong. And, you know, we have to bring that here. It can be in your car, it can be, you know, in the bathroom, it can be anywhere, but you got to bring that, folks. I have to bring that. It doesn't matter if I can get up and preach and, you know, and everybody in the room gets slain. It doesn't matter. There are things that happen to me that I have to bring to an altar because I'm not a savior. I'm a saved person, but I'm not a savior. And I got to bring that stuff. Sometimes I got to bring it when God is telling me, every, you know, nobody else is coming. And God is telling me I got to deal with it. Thursday morning rolls around and, and I'm getting prepping up in my heart about, you know, what, what's going to happen today. And the Holy Spirit pops in and says, you need to forgive a couple people. It's like, okay. And he brings these people to mind. And I said, well, God, I, I feel like I have forgiven them. He said, yeah, but you've had angry thoughts about them lately. Yeah, I have. And so I confessed it. I said, yeah, I have, Lord. And, I, and, and, and in an honest moment, I'm sitting there saying, Lord, teach me how to forgive. Just teach me how to forgive. How, how, do, you, how do I do that? Do, I, do you want me to call them up? He said, no, I just want you to pray for them. And you ask forgiveness for your bitter thoughts you've had about them. And just say, you're sorry, and you ask forgiveness for it. It's just between me and me right now. So it did. And you know what? There was a freedom that got released after that moment. The next two days, I was like, wow. Wow. You're right, Holy Spirit. You're right. I'm wondering about you today. I'm wondering where you're at. Now, I'm, I'm probably a, a good at guesstimating here that most of you have come to the altar. Okay? Most of you probably have come. And if you haven't come to an altar, if you haven't come to the cross, I want to tell you today is your day. You can come to that cross, and, and I'll be happy to pray with you today. I will. And you meet Jesus for the first time, and I promise you, he'll change your life. Change your life. But I know today I'm predominantly speaking to Christians. People who have already come to that altar. But maybe like me, you got something you need to maybe drag up here and leave. And it's hard. It's hard sometimes. Because, especially if you're involved in ministry, or you're involved in serving, or you're involved in this or that, it's difficult to walk and lay that down. But I'm going to tell you something. If he's churning in your heart, just listen to him. Just listen to him. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how big, how small. If he's churning, just listen. I promise you, when you get up off this altar, you feel so much better. And believe it or not, sometimes it's not about the feeling. 
It's about obedience. Because the feeling comes after you obey. It does. When you're younger in the Lord, the Lord will prompt you and that feeling will come on you. And ooh, I want to alter, man. I need, I need more of Jesus. Ooh. Kelsey's back here laughing at me. <laughs> but the older you get in the Lord, he, he, he wants you to walk by faith a little more. And yes, you'll hear that still small voice say, why don't you come on, bring it down. Okay? I got a confession to make. Uh, you know, and it's all about faith, folks. It's all about faith. I preached a pretty strong message to a church about two months ago. And uh, God had asked me to call up this pastor, and, ask, and a pastor that I knew, and ask him if I could preach on a Sunday. And I'll tell you what, folks, it, it, it took a lot for me to swallow that pride and do that because I've never asked a pastor to preach at his church. And I, I was sitting there thinking, man, what is he thinking? You know, I don't even go to his church, and he's asking me to, to preach, but God was continually on me about it. And so I did. And, uh, and he graciously opened the doors, and I went and preached, and I preached a hard sermon. A hard sermon about basically how the church has left the world. They've left the world and they've abandoned it. We got so many churches that are building their churches up in the suburbs and they're they're forgetting the inner cities. They're forgetting the homeless, they're forgetting those who really need help. And deep down, it's a travesty to God because that same thing happened two thousand years ago because Rich men and women would build close to the temple and they would build bridges from their house over to the temple. You know why? So they didn't have to associate with the regular people coming in through the main gates. That's why. And we're doing that today. We're just doing it on a different platform. We're separating our society once again. We're not gathering all Christians together in one place to worship we're saying, okay, if you got means to get here, you can go. Folks, it doesn't matter where you're at from, how poor, how rich you are. The ground is level at the cross. He does not see money as an entrance or a deterrent. He doesn't. And as I was talking about uh, Preaching that sermon, there was a sermon a couple, day, a couple weeks after my church and was talking about people preaching the gospel that maybe shouldn't. And, uh, and I got to thinking, you know, you know, I've had a lot of failures in my life. A lot of things where I, when I've done things that I should. God's given me opportunities in ministry and I feel like I failed it. And, uh, and you know what I did? And you know, the funny thing about this story is nobody in this building knows this except for God. I didn't even tell my wife. I didn't tell my kids. I didn't tell anybody. I kept it to myself. I said, Lord, if you really want me to preach the gospel again, if you want me, if you want me to preach, you want me to teach it, you know, if you really want me to do that, can you put me in a pulpit for the, before the end of January? Now, this was in the beginning of December. And I can tell you, uh, first week of January rolls around. And uh, 
no calls, no nothing. And I was sitting there, okay. And I, and I, I truly, folks, it's one of those God moments where I said, Lord, I give it to you. If you don't want me doing it anymore, that's fine. But I, I have faith that if you do, I want to be in a pulpit. Second week of January rolls around. I had nothing. Nothing's happening. You know, I thought maybe the pastor of that one church would uh, call me up and well, nothing's happening. And so on a Sunday morning, I'm, I'm getting ready to do some stuff around the house and that, that little thought come into my head and said, do you think God's really going to answer this prayer? And I said, you know what? Lord, I believe you. I believe you. If you want me to preach, I'll be in the church before the end of January. That Sunday, I'm going to Lowe's to pick something up, and I get in front of this guy, and he's on the phone, and you know, and I and I one question to ask, and he's sitting there, you know, he's talking to somebody on the phone. It's like five, ten minutes. It's like I need eighth inch pad for you know for flooring, and he said, and he's working in the flooring department, and he said, "Sir, I'm on the phone," and t- started talking to the other guy, you know, and this that, and that. I said, eighth inch pad, just point. He said, "Sir, I'm on the phone." And that was my cue that I'm not giving you my business. So I walk out of Lowe's. And I'm a little ticked off and a little muffed. So I walk into Home Depot. And I go get my stuff. Okay? I go get my stuff. And I'm headed toward the checkout lane. And lo and behold, your pastor walks in the door. And we get to talking. And I didn't say, hey, can I preach to your church? Nothing like that. I said, hey, I preached a message recently, and he's telling me about the messages he's preached recently. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he says, why don't you get a message together, and, and uh, why don't you come preach in my church? And uh, I started to get a little teary-eyed. I said, all right, all right. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, you know, God, you know, the deal we talked about. And... Uh, Ten minutes into the conversation, he says, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and come down two weeks? And that would have been last week. And then I'm, then I'm starting to cry. And I'm not telling him about it because, you know, that's, I'm just savoring that moment. So lo and behold, next Sunday comes around and you guys get a great big snowstorm. Okay? And you know what? The thought went through my head again. Does he not want me to preach? pastor, he said, well, we'll reschedule. And I said, whenever you think it's good. He said, how about next week? And it's the last Sunday in January. God sent a prophet to me the year I met my wife. And a funny thing about it is, I'm so close to the Ricketts family, uh, we don't see each other much as we used to, but we used to be thick as thieves back then. Uh, the first date I ever went out on my wife was with Chad Nancy Ricketts. And God sent a prophet that year, and man, I was struggling. I mean, Chad, he, Chad even come up to me one time, and he said, man, I just see it in your eyes. He said, I'm praying for you. And I was just, I just wanted a helpmate. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted a bride who loved Christ. I wanted somebody in my life who could share my life with and lo and behold, God sent a prophet in January at the church, and he said, he said, stood me up. He stood a lot of people up that night, but he stood me up. He said, your destiny you will meet this year. Now, I want to tell you something. God 
is never late, but he's rarely early. He's never late, but he's rarely early. Can you guess what month I met my wife? December. God loves you, and he cares for you, okay? But this walk is a walk of faith. It is a walk of faith. And sometimes it's hard and treacherous, and sometimes like me, like the other day, there are some things that you have to come, and he's dealing with you, folks. He'll deal with you and deal with you and deal with you, and you'll pray and pray and pray. You'll fast. You'll have other people praying, and in the back of your mind, there's that splinter that says, go lay it at the altar. It's not going to go away. It's not going to away. But everybody stand with me today. I want you to know something. If God is dealing with you today, okay, as musicians are coming, as God, if God is dealing with you today, I don't care what it is, Give him the benefit of the doubt. He's faithful. He's faithful. When, when Chad asked me to preach here, I just I, I had to keep it in. I was about ready to ball. And then when all that stuff happened last week, and but I trusted the Lord. And once more, this is an answered prayer. One I told nobody about, but him. Maybe there's something bothering you, there's something you're carrying, you've told nobody about. You can tell it to him. And he's faithful and true. While he's turning your heart, I want you to just, if he's turning your heart, I want you to just come. Just come. And just lay it on an altar. Whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's something that's good you're waiting on. It doesn't matter if it's something that has become a God in your life. Or a struggle. It doesn't matter what it is. Just lay it. Lay it at this altar. Be sensitive. Folks, don't, don't be... Don't be discouraged. If he's churning your heart, it's for a reason. And I promise you, promise you, that once you get up off this altar, things will be right between you and him. Won't you come? the church today, haven't we? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we just thank you for your spirit, Lord. Lord, you said you would never leave us, you would never forsake us, Lord, and your spirit is a testament to that, Lord. Lord, every day your spirit cries out to our spirit, Lord, you speak faithfully, Lord, to every heart. You lead, you guide, you heal. And 
Lord, we're so thankful for that, Lord God. I pray for everybody today, Lord. Lord, I pray that they walk in your spirit every day this week, Lord God. Lord, that they would have a word for somebody. Father, that they would reach out to those who are lost, those who are sick, those who need healing, Lord, those who need help, Lord. Lord, I pray that we walk in the Spirit this week, Lord God, that we would go outside of these doors, Lord God, and reach those you would have us to reach, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, and everybody said, Amen.